Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast, episode 54. Travelling with Ashley and Joni from Truck Asia in Bhutan. Thank you for checking in to episode 53. It's a great insight always to see how Connor lives in Vietnam. And had some good reaction about what life as an expat is like there and also traveling in vietnam and southeast asia as a whole next i'm gonna to have to come into this because it's unavoidable i don't like to do politics on my podcast but my heart and my thoughts go out to the ukrainian people at this time aggression of this kind by anyone is unacceptable and please remember this is not the russian people this is putin and his army so I want to send my condolences out to Ukrainian people at this time and stay strong. I'm hoping that this will be sorted very, very soon. And I feel a little bit helpless with this podcast because we talk about travel, but those guys are surviving right now, so puts things into perspective. As a result, um, I feel a bit helpless, but what I'm going to do is donate all of my merchandise store profits that I make, which is about 20% of the price that you pay from Tee Public. I'm going to donate those to a few charities to help the Ukrainian people who are refugees now in other countries or are still in Ukraine struggling at this minute. So I'll put some um, links and stuff on my socials about my thinking there. And yeah, I'm going to do February and March, I think, um, so far. And we'll see how it goes. So if you want to buy a T-shirt or a mug or anything like that, head to the show notes and you will see a link to Tee Public to my store. And then once you buy it, roughly around 20% of that price that you pay will go to some helping some families in Ukraine at this awful time. So yeah, this episode to be great. This is going to be a whole episode on Bhutan. Ash and Joni work for Drug Asia. They are one of the, the official um, tour operators for Royal Bhutan. So the Royal Family has commissioned them to be the official tour operators. They, they operate in Singapore and they organise tours to Bhutan and you'll get to hear in this episode everything about when to go how much it costs how to do it what the guides are like and also what the people are like what to eat where to go and give you a bit of an insight on how to travel to Bhutan so it's a great episode I love recording it I want to thank those guys for taking time out of their day because it's a working day for them to come and record with me and it was a brilliant episode to record and I can't wait for you to hear it so thanks for your support recently thanks for downloading reviewing all of that really appreciate it and let's get into the episode uh, hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast today and I'm joined by Ashley Chen and Jenny Harrison who are the authors or the co-authors of the book The Bhutan Travelogue they also work for Drug Asia and Ashley is the partnerships manager and Joni is the managing director they're here today to talk about the book Bhutan and also some personal travel hopefully so both welcome to the show how are you both doing Hi, James. Thank you so much for having us on the show. <laughs> I'm doing really good here in Singapore. It's just a really sunny day today. <laughs> Always is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, James, thanks for having us on the show. I mean, uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to be here to uh, introduce Bhutan uh, to your audience. 
And uh, it's such a myst mystical place. Lots of people have a lot of misconception about it. But then, you know, once you step into Bhutan, or rather, once you fly into Bhutan, because that's part of the adventure to fly into Bhutan. Yeah. Uh, you realize that it's such an amazing country uh, that is so well preserved in terms of culture, in terms of nature, being one of the very few carbon negative country. So um, it's just an amazing place uh, waiting to, to be discovered by 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 the travelers of the world. Anyone with a with a bucket list, Bhutan has got to be on top ten uh, of this bucket list. It's my number one. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of the must-visit place in this lifetime, at least once in the lifetime, I would say. Yeah. yeah. But, but once yeah. you go once, you know, you, you always go back, uh, which is why I've been back for about 30 over times. Uh, <laughs> business aside, right? <laughs> business aside, I also bring my uh, family. Uh, I have three children and they start to travel to Bhutan as young as uh, six months old. Yeah. Uh, also because uh, after so, after about 10 years of traveling to Bhutan, we have so many friends there and uh, they are actually there to also play around with uh, my, my friends, uh, children and sibling. And also it's a great way for them to enjoy nature. Nature is, uh, there's, there's plenty of nature in uh, every city. I mean, even in Singapore during a pandemic, we, we try to talk about the nature uh, mm. in Singapore. But, but then uh, nature in Singapore is, is very man-designed, right? Uh, yeah. to, yes. To design around the urban landscape. So it, it's a very different kind of nature when it's out in the wilderness and it's been there for like maybe uh, 20 million years uh, untouched. <laughs> Wow. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing about nature in Bhutan is uh, on top of every uh, passes and every mountain, there is a monastery that is uh, typically dedicated to the deity of uh, the mountain pass. Mm -hmm. And it's always such an amazing journey just to check up to this monastery and listen to the ancient uh, legends that evolves around the monastery and how this deity fights evil and protect the locals uh, and, and, and to see your Bhutanese guide explain that to you uh, uh, that, that's the amazing part uh, that is something that the travel guide can't uh, impart to you because uh, that personal storytelling from the travel guide uh, is actually that makes all the wonders uh, in the travel to Bhutan uh, my first trip to Bhutan in uh, 20. 08, uh, I, I was personally amused uh, or amazed uh, by how well-versed the travel guides are uh, in terms of the legends, mm -hmm. the myths, and the fables and stories that evolves around every valley of, uh, of, in Bhutan. And, and these are all stories that they hear from their father, their grandfather, their grandmother, and then they impart it on to the travelers uh, or guests. Uh, that steps upon this land. The experience of having a private travel guide uh, on your tour to Bhutan, which is compulsory, yes, uh, and which is uh, which is um, compulsory by design of the government, is to enrich uh, mm. each and every traveler's experience in Bhutan. Yeah, and over the week or two that you are in Bhutan, you realize that your guide. Um, just became a friend of yours and you invite them for dinner, for tea, and you continue talking about their life, your life in the cities, and, and you get to know each other so well that uh, a lot of guys become lifelong friends of the, their guests. I can't wait for that. I think that's probably one of the things that really attracts me to Bhutan because we, 
weirdly enough, me and my friend had a bit of an obsession with Bhutan. Like it must have been about a year ago now. We we recorded a podcast and we spent ten minutes on Bhutan about the gross national national happiness index, about what they do to make sure their population is happy. And then we start looking into facts and figures and we're like, oh man, we we've got to go there. And the fact that yeah. I like the design because I know it's a bit rigid in terms of you've got your plan set out for your trip. But yeah. the local guide, like you say, Jenny, is key because you get to know the real locals in terms of food, culture, dress sense, um, Buddhism or religion and stuff like that, right? So it's key to the tour, I think. You're right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, yeah. It's such an intimate experience, right? Yes. Uh, Great word. Personal guide, right? And, uh, and, and, and we really applaud the government of Bhutan to, to having designed this. Uh, experience uh, something that uh, a lot of people have a bit of a misconception, thinking that uh, the two hundred fifty dollars is just plain tax to the government. But the two hundred fifty dollars a night includes your accommodation, your meals, mm. uh, your transportation, private transport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and then uh, that private guy and private driver, uh, which means. What is really fixed uh, within the itinerary to Bhutan is just your accommodation. And then everything can change on the move. Everything change on the flux. Yeah, so, so it, it is also up to the traveler's whim to decide that, hey, today I feel like doing something a bit different. Maybe I want to, uh, uh, maybe I want to visit a family with young children and see how they get along, uh, how the school system works. And uh, you know, and, and if if they have other endeavors, uh, getting to know more, more about geologies, uh, mm-hmm. adventures, uh, all this can be encompassed within the itinerary. And it's just a morning discussion with your guide. It's part of their high value, low volume tourism policy, right? Which means they value obviously the the nature around them. They want to preserve that as much as possible, but also have enough tourism as a business to obviously help the country and that helps them preserve the amazing like monasteries like the like the picture behind you on your on your screen and stuff like that to make sure that they're tip-top condition and also not ruined by tourism right oh absolutely true uh because uh the the number of rooms in bhutan is uh is still relatively small i i think we count something like uh maybe two thousand rooms uh, in total uh mm. between Baro, Timpu, and Punaka, you probably have about 2,000 rooms. Uh, so you, you, you can't have too much tourists uh, uh, based on 2,000 rooms. And, and they do not want to go down the route like uh, you have, you get flooded by backpackers. And, uh, yeah. and that is not something desirable for, for the government. Uh, so it's a very, very different uh, philosophy when it comes to tourism. Uh, they do not want to have the mass number. Uh, but they want every tourist to uh, bring back a valuable experience mm-hmm. uh, and memories uh, of, of, uh, of Bhutan. And, and the words of mouth is actually uh, one of the key, uh, key marketing tools of uh, the Bhutan government. Yeah, so they, 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 are, they are not investing too much in marketing. Uh, yes. either digitally or on magazines. Yeah, and they rely very much of, uh, on words of mouth. Yeah, because yeah, I've got some facts here from about that sort of area. So Bhutan is one of the top sustainable green destinations in the world. They're the only carbon negative country in the world. And they just have this high value, low volume, sustainable policy, which is a big conversation nowadays because a lot of countries, well, maybe pre-COVID, COVID's been a bit of a curveball, but 
pre-COVID, if you remember back to those times, right? That was crazy. I think tourism went a bit crazy. It was really busy everywhere and it was getting a little bit out of control. The environment was suffering. So this place has kept it true to its values and it's great to see, right? And I, that's why I can't wait to visit. And I don't mind it being structured or limited in terms of tourism because I think it's only going to benefit the local people, but also the country as a whole. Yeah, like you mentioned, I think pre-COVID, many of the countries actually suffer from over-tourism, you know, um, and I think you really nailed it when you talk about um, the purpose of why they're having this policy in place is really to preserve their culture, you know, um, the culture, tradition, the spirituality, all these are very, very precious to the Bhutanese. Um, and I think they want to continue preserving it because, you know, they have taken so much effort to preserve it for centuries. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see that they are able to continue this um, preservation for a lot longer yeah, into the future generations. It's something that the Bhutanese takes very, very seriously. Yeah, that's going to be the key, I guess, observation going forward, right? Can they keep this, can they keep strong almost and keep this policy going forward? Because I, in a world which is obsessed with money, it's very easy to go down the route of this opening it up, right? So as many tourists as we want. So hopefully um, that they'll stick strong to that mantra and, and keep that policy going because I think that really would protect that country. And it's rare to see, like, how many countries do you two know that are just preserved in this way? It's quite, it's, there's not many, let's put it that way, right? So it's great to see. Yeah, it's really rare to see a country where, you know, the local people are still wearing their traditional dresses on a daily basis. It's just really amazing. You know, in many parts of the world, um, you usually only see that happening on during special occasion or when you're celebrating like certain festivity. Yeah. And I've got a question for you both. Um, how many times, I think you might have said generally, how many times have you both been to Bhutan? Oh, myself, I've been to Bhutan about uh, 30 odd times. Wow. Right, so uh, it's about uh, a trip every quarter, uh, or yeah, that that is uh, typically my frequency. Uh, of course, uh, for for myself, uh, when when we first started, I didn't really have too many meetings uh, until we became uh, Royal Bhutan's uh, representative. But uh, I I was so intrigued that uh, I wanted to. Uh, uh, that's the whole reason why we started Drukasia. Uh, it's really to facilitate my own uh, private. Uh, selfishness to be able to visit Bhutan. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 instead of you no know, try, trying to uh, find a way to go to Bhutan, I decided to also help organize trips to Bhutan that which can fund my own travel to Bhutan, and and that of course uh, amazingly led on to many 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 things uh, because we were one of the biggest champion in uh, of Bhutan. Uh, in 2012, when the Royal Bhutan decided to fly from Bhutan to Singapore, uh, they decided to appoint us as their uh, uh, representative in Singapore to handle all the airline operations. So that led me to uh, having uh, my first step into aviation industry, understanding uh, how aircraft is operated, uh, what needs to be done when the aircraft is here, um, helping the crew with accommodations and, and, and then uh, because it became the representative of the airline and there is no uh, uh, actual diplomat uh, from, from Bhutan here, we became like, uh, like, like the center to offer help to any Bhutanese oh, wow. uh, who are in Singapore and who may have a, a situation that uh, they are not able to handle. 
uh, uh, they will reach out to us. The closest things to be to 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 an embassy because uh, yeah. we we represent the airline, and and that leads to many adventures. Uh, because we get to learn a lot of other things uh, when it comes to what happens to uh, a, a embassy. So we kind of carry out help to carry out some of the uh, critical tasks that uh, they need us to do in order to uh, provide assistance to uh, their their nationals. So so it's been a quite quite adventure since we uh, we started all this. All because I just wanted to fund my own travel. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so so it's always a learning journey. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, so so thirty over times. Uh, of course, my latest trip was uh, in March uh, with Ashley. We were there to host a group off site for a club club uh, eighteen ninety of Singapore. Okay. Um, eighteen eighty. Eighteen eighty. Right. So <laughs> was a, a, a group of members decided to visit Bhutan to get to know Bhutan. It was a very spiritual journey for them because yeah. they, they, they had meditation during the trip. They had uh, group discussions about uh, life, about happiness, uh, about, uh, about almost anything under the stars over dinner with a very learned uh, Lama, uh, Kidrup Chen Rinpoche. And uh, it was a very fulfilling trip for them. And, and, and of course, uh, the, the, the best part was we ended the trip being one of the last people to leave Bhutan because uh, the borders was closed while we yeah. were in Bhutan. <laughs> You're lucky yeah. there, right? Yeah. yeah. So it became like a, a really memorable trip because we were one of the last person to, to leave Bhutan on the flight. To leave Bhutan, yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unlike Johnny, who is almost a permanent resident now, I've only been to Bhutan three times. Yeah, in two years. So usually I'll spend like half a month in Bhutan during each travel. Yeah, is that because you're quite new to the company? Is that why it's been like? Yeah, and I guess COVID I, as well. Yeah, the first time I traveled to Bhutan is really only in 2019. Oh wow! Right. Yeah. Okay, so I guess right before the the mess of COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of day 2019 is the last time we took a proper trek outside of home or Canada. We, you know, we've got two homes really, but yeah, s- such a long time ago, about two years ago now, right? So um, that's why oh, I think it people... Feels are, it feels a lot longer. It feels a lot longer, right? So yeah, that's why I'm really excited to get to Bhutan. It's like definitely on my top hit list for this year. And I think a lot of people that I've seen just on social media and stuff are really looking forward to, to booking a trip there. And I've got a few other questions about Bhutan. Also, what's some of your favorite things about Bhutan that you've experienced on your trips there? Yeah, I think Ashley need to like uh, elaborate on this because she's she's still pretty new to Bhutan. Although her trips to Bhutan are typically uh, very extended compared to mine. Uh, my trip to Bhutan, <laughs> uh, uh, used to be longer until I I, I start to have quite a few children. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but Ashley's trip tends to be uh, quite extended, like two or three weeks, uh, because uh, she she was on the ground to help with some of the uh, non-profit organizations to get yeah. things done. Yeah, please, Ashley. Yeah, yeah I think um, for Drug Asia, uh, previously we were also supporting um, a charity called the Gallium Charitable Trust. It's a uh, non-profit organization fi- founded by the Queen Mother. Uh, where they support uh, the marginalized community in Bhutan in terms of the children, the monk and woman. So they have different, different uh, projects. 
Um, so my background before I joined Juke Asia was really in the non-profit industry. So I yeah. think, um, yeah, so it was really a privilege and honor for me to be able to um, transfer some of these skills and expertise to assist the Bhutanese non-profit. Yeah, so that's why um, most of the time when I visit Bhutan uh, is about uh, half a month long. Yeah. Oh, wow. The dream. <laughs> and also, <laughs> give it, um, this is an idea. I guess both you can answer this as well. Like the local people, I guess that's what makes the trip, right? The local people. We, we talked a bit about the guides. Um, but I keep reading in your book, which we'll come to in a bit, about how friendly, how helpful they are, how very down to earth and very, their values are like really nice and really good, right? They they help you out. They're, they're not obsessed by phones like technology like we are today. The people there are really, really spiritual and hospitable. Um, I think uh, many of the feedback that we get, you know, when they visit Bhutan is really, they are taken aback by the level of hospitality that they receive from the people, you know, that they meet, be it the guide, um, the locals that they encounter, because the, they, they are so genuine, you know, in their interaction. Most of the time, you know, they'll just invite you to their homes, share mm. meals with you, share stories about, you know, their family, their life, what do they do? Yeah. They're really, really hospitable. In in the book, which I'll, I will come to like in more questions about the book, but there's one bit, one part of your book at the back where you have people's diaries about their experiences in Bhutan, and they all say the same thing about the the experience with being invited into someone's home or to dinner with locals, and it's quite humbling to see, and it's quite it just makes you want to experience that yourself. And I think that's why the local guide is a good good way to go to Bhutan because they can probably yeah, like like Jenny said, invite you into their home and have dinner or tell you their story right it's, it's pretty cool yeah, the, yeah. I, I mean the, if you look at it the, the guys are actually uh the, the real uh, ambassador of culture uh for bhutan uh they uh they and and they, they really do uh what they do very wholeheartedly right uh they, they are very willing to share which is which is also why they they are also very willing to uh, bring you to their home uh that's how hospitable they are because they are the ambassador of Bhutan to every travelers that that step foot in Bhutan, yeah. So so uh, kudos to the guides. Uh, they are also well trained. Uh, of course, uh, it is uh, it is also a privilege to, to have uh, these guides. Because uh, uh, as a tra travel guide, uh, in terms of uh, income, it is pretty good. Uh, for the Bhutanese, which is why we are always able to get uh, very uh, well-educated guides. A yeah. lot of them, quite a few of them have like a degree uh, in uh, various fields. Some yeah. of them even have double degrees. And some of them are even foreign scholars. Uh, like uh -huh. uh, we have Chunju who actually studied in Korea and he can speak Korean and he can, uh, uh, of course, uh, they, they are all very bilingual. Uh, all of them know their mother tongue, which is uh, Zongka, mm. uh, which is their national language. And because Bhutan started uh, implementing dual language education uh, since the 70s, uh, all of them are fluent in English. Right? Yeah. Uh, the, the younger generation, the guys, they, they are all fluent in English. So communication in English is not a problem. And uh, during the pandemic, uh, the Tourism Council of Bhutan also started uh, training quite a lot of guys in uh, French, in Chinese, in mm -hmm. Spanish, you know, so that they can cater to more, a more variety of uh, travelers to Bhutan. So, uh, so, so it, it, I think it's a real privilege to, to be able to uh, have a guide who, who's uh, 
very well educated, right? Uh, so they, they do understand. Uh, and, and because the travelers to Bhutan, people who discover Bhutan are, are pretty well read themselves. Yes. And uh, so, so it, it's like a meeting of minds. <laughs> uh, when you are traveling to Bhutan, yeah, we are you are talking about the same language, uh, and uh, and uh, because of their experience with various stories, they also understand uh, what uh, a traveler is looking out for, uh, and how to uh, to better understand what uh, each traveler uh, wants to get out of the trip. Because every traveler is. It's kind of different. Yeah, some of absolutely. them are more spiritual. Some of them are more towards nature, uh, and and the, and the guys are very attuned uh, to the desires of uh, each uh, travelers. Yeah, which we'll come to later because I've got some questions about the tours that you offer, where you can tailor them. Right, I've got a list of the tours. We'll come to that in a bit, but that's key because, like you say, everyone everyone is different, and I think we're quite lucky. Some like me, I speak English, so. That's my mother tongue. So if they speak English, that's great yeah. for me. And I think we're, we're incredibly lucky that, that that language is kind of chosen, right, as the the dual language at school or if they start teaching that. So I'm glad that also they're looking into other languages like Spanish and Mandarin and stuff because that would only increase the popularity, I think, of wanting to go there. Yeah, that's right. And make it easier as well. Other than that, I think um, Bhutanese are a really fun bunch. You know, they are oh, very, yeah. very witty. And yeah. Uh, I'm sure a lot of travelers would just enjoy the company. They are actually very open-minded, yeah. You know, when it yeah, comes yeah. to different culture and everything, yeah. I'm just really looking forward to meeting some locals and talking to them, right, and to see what the story is, but also the guide that that does our trip. I'm just really keen to understand their world and what they see and do, and what they find funny and what they like food-wise and stuff like that. So it's it's really exciting, I think, um, for people who want to go. I just want to uh, also talk about Bhutan. I know, I know some people don't know Bhutan that well. So they've got two, am I right in saying two major hubs, the, the capital Timpu and Paro, where the airport is? Is that the two major cities, would you say, in Bhutan? Yeah, so um, Timpu is actually the capital city of um, Bhutan, but Paro is where the na- uh, international airport is located. So Paro would be the first city that most travelers would uh, experience before going to the capital city, yeah. It's quite a, it's quite a difficult landing, right? I was reading that the it's an unusual pathway for the pilots, right? It has to be quite skilled to land there because it's I, I can't remember what they said, but it's like quite a short runway in terms of the area around it because it's basically in the mountains, right? You have to come in quite low and quite late, so it's quite a, it's quite a journey, right? Coming in. Yeah, in fact, many travelers said you know landing to Bhutan gives them the adrenaline rush because um, <laughs> right from the uh, airplane seat you'll be able to see the Himalayan mountains, the gorgeous, stunning mountains. Mm. And then uh, when the plane is about to land, that's when you'll be able to see the pilots navigating skillfully, you know, uh, maneuvering across the mountains and just uh, manually. uh, And they have to land like on a very, very narrow strip. And only the really skilled, um, qualified, very limited qualified pilots were able to land in Bhutan. It's always deemed as one of the most dangerous airports to land in in the world. I'm not scaring people here, I'm just being honest. (laughs) (laughs) But also, you can only fly from certain airports, right, in the world. There's only only a few, so Singapore's obviously one. I think Bangkok is another. Kathmandu, and there's a plethora of India cities, right, that can only fly there. Yeah, that's right. Um, but there's different schedules for the um, flying. So uh, the for Bangkok, they fly daily, but for Singapore, it's only twice a week. That was before COVID. So we are ah. not sure how it will be. Yeah, 
moving forward when that's, the border reopens. Yeah. That's good to know. I didn't know that. Okay. And from reading the book, uh, which we'll come to in a minute, the Beauty Things festivals, they're pretty important to the culture, right? Have you experienced some festivals yourself? Yeah, for me, certainly. Uh, that, that was uh, my, my first trip to Bhutan was in, uh, was in the off season, which was in uh, June. Right. Um, so June is a, a little bit wetter. A lot of the people think that it's the monsoon, but uh, it, it's actually not a monsoon where you have uh, daily rain. You have some afternoon showers typically. Uh, so that was my, my first trip to Bhutan. So, so during my first trip to Bhutan, I missed all the festivals. So I, I make it a point to return the next year to attend the biggest uh, festival, which is the Paro Chechu. Paro Chechu happens typically in the month of uh, March, uh, April, uh, early March typically. And, and that is the grandest one. Uh, where, uh, because uh, it is a seven days festival. And uh, on the last day of the festival was uh, when they unfurl the biggest uh, tanka, which we call the pondro. And uh, typically you have to be there at uh, 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. in the morning to get a seat. Uh, to be able to witness the unflowering of the tundra. And the, witnessing the unflowering of the tundra, uh, in the local belief, goes to uh, eliminate or what you call white wa uh, wash away your sins and uh, help you gain a little bit of enlightenment. So uh, that was uh, pretty significant. Uh, having to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, <laughs> drive all the way there, Take a high because uh, in Bhutan, uh, there are a lot of things that uh, you do, like the hike to Tiger's Nest. Uh, there's no mechanism to bring you up there on a gondola. Mm. You have to show your sincerity in reaching the destination by doing the physical hike. And, and, and in Paro, uh, Chechu, you do the same thing. You hike from the river stream all the way to the zone and then go to the festival ground. So that, that is uh, in itself uh, a, a way to show your sincerity in reaching a destination. Yeah, so, 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 uh, so of course it's over seven days and uh, I attended uh, like the first few days. The black hat dance is actually very significant because that is where that is the, signifies the start of the festival. And then uh, the, the another significant part is definitely the, the, the last day of the festival where you have the tongue And also during this last day of the festival, it's been a tradition of the fifth king of Bhutan to show up, yeah. right? Uh, to attend the festival yeah. uh, because Paro, Paro as a province has been a very important ally to, uh, to the first king of Bhutan. And uh, I think this is one of the way uh, for the king of Bhutan to show uh, his uh, sincerity and his love for his populace of uh, Paro. And uh, typically, uh, you will be able to cite him, right? But of course, uh, when his majesty is around uh, at the festival, you, you are not allowed to uh, hold up your camera to take pictures of him. Yeah. So uh, then uh, there's no way you can shout about it that, hey, I saw or I met the king of Bhutan. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, if, if anyone uh, is always a verbal communication that, oh, I've met the king of Bhutan, but uh, typically you, you are not able to show any form of uh, digital evidence. Uh, of course, you can <laughs> sneakily take a picture you know, from far away, but 
uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's about the best you can do. But uh, it, it's, it's, always, uh, it's always amazing to see His Majesty uh, at a festival. Uh, he, 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 he would have been mobbed typically yeah, uh, if he doesn't come with his uh, private guards. Yeah, but uh, but you no. Know, once he step into the arena, uh, the festival ground, you, you can you can literally literally see all the heart pumping so much harder. Mm. Uh, once the populace uh, get to see him, uh, it's it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to see that. Like, yeah, yeah uh, you, you can't grab a selfie with the king, right? <laughs> it's, uh... No, unfortunately <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not. We 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 uh we actually planned uh to have uh, one of our media campaign that coincide with that. Uh, our cameraman was there at the right spot. He took out his camera. Right, uh, he had a few uh seconds of the footage. Uh, but then uh, uh, one of the policemen uh, approached him and he had to delete the footage too. So because I believe uh, the, the, the officers uh, actually do, uh, are very guarded about uh, the kind of publicity they throw out about him. And mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I think His Majesty is very, very humble yeah. uh, in terms uh, of what he does. Uh, for for the country, uh, he really shuns uh, publicity where possible. Yeah, I think we in the UK got to know more about Bhutan because I think William and Kate went to visit Bhutan in twenty sixteen. I think something like yes, that around yes, that year, yes, and it got a bit yeah. quite a bit of media uh, coverage in the UK. And the image that I thought it showed was two modern monarchs, you know, couples, and almost like not the old guard. It's like the, it's the new generation coming through, and they seemed very liberal, enjoying each other's company, and it, it got quite a lot of coverage in the UK and, and like positive spin. I think. I, I yes, I I think uh, that year, uh, I'm not sure if there was a bump from uh, travelers from UK, but definitely very positive for both family. Yeah, having uh, Kate. Uh, 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 try out archery in Bhutan yeah. and uh, having a good laugh about it, right? Uh, that I mean, that was the image that comes to my mind every time yes. we talk about Kate and uh, uh, William in Bhutan. Uh, is Kate uh, trying out archery <laughs> yeah. at the archery ground? Yeah, having a good laugh. Yeah, that 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 that, that, that I, I think that was very positive for both families. And archery is the yeah. national sport, isn't it? I think as well, right? Am I right in saying? Yeah, it's the national sport. Yeah, the national yeah. sport is uh, 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 the archery uh, is a bit different from the Olympic standard, where the Olympic standard is, uh, if I'm not wrong, 50 or 25 meter. In Bhutan, uh, the traditional bamboo bow is supposed to shoot 140 meters. Wow. <laughs> and the target board is a size of uh, 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 probably half of a pizza box. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the target board. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's a skill. 140 meters away. <laughs> yeah, and and, and uh, archery is uh, being the national sport is actually quite a spectacle too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, archery. Uh, beside the boys, the men uh, shooting archery, there's also some side shows. All right, if you witness a uh, archery competition, uh, archery competition are typically between two villages. So what happens is uh, when village A is competing against village B, uh, they get the women folks to do the dance uh, and try to distract the competitors' uh, archers. 
sometimes by lifting up a little bit of the stroke, singing <laughs> songs to taunt them, yeah. you know, uh, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's quite a festival by itself. Yeah, and uh, they take a lot of pride in terms of uh, winning the archery competition by having the most uh, arrows hit the bull eyes. You know, uh, every time the arrow hits the, the target, there's a dance around the target to bless the arrow uh, and to help, uh, to help uh, continue their winning streak also. Yeah. 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 So, so, of course, there's also a little bit of drinking and a little bit of uh, food Oh, just to uh, warm up the body and uh, relax everybody. Yeah. So, so it, it's a very long affair because an archery uh, match is typically three to four hours. Uh, but, but it's quite a sight <laughs> and quite an experience by itself. Yeah, during major public holidays, the men will usually be out in the field to play archery as a form okay. of celebration. Yeah. And in fact, for Bhutan this year, um, they made history by uh, for the national archer Kamar to be part of the Olympics team for the first time ever. Yes, yeah. I thought I read that somewhere. Yeah, when I was doing my research on Bhutan, I think uh, yeah earlier this year. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's an, uh, that's gonna be great for the country, right? They're gonna be super excited to see that, right? Yeah. Okay, I've got um some more. I've got one question about food, which is very important because everyone loves food, and a few landmarks before we get on to your book. Do you have a favorite dish each that you like in Bhutan? <laughs> For me, I really love the shamudatsi. It's actually a combination of a mushroom and cheese. Yeah, so cheese and chili are really two popular ingredients in Bhutan. So in all the dishes, you either find both, you know, either chili or cheese, and uh, you have different variation of the dishes with that ingredient. So for me, it's really shamudatsi. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, good that uh, Ashley mentioned about shamudrasi because uh, Bhutan uh, has preserved their nature so well that uh, Bhutan actually have a huge variety of mushrooms. Uh, not just the shiitake that you see in the market. They have uh, the yellow chandeliers, and then they have the mashutake, which is uh, which is uh, endemic in Bhutan, uh, and also only found in Bhutan and Japan around oak trees. Oh, wow. So, so okay. that is one of the delicacies that um, travelers have to look out for. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm a bit simpler. I actually like uh, their chicken curry a lot. Uh, okay. It's called the chicken maru. All right. uh, it, it's basically just a pot of smashed up chickens and, and uh, some cheese and chilies and, and curries. Uh, but I, I, I love that going with my rice. Yeah, uh, rice is a huge component in the Bhutanese diet. So, so uh, you know, because the, they are kind of like a developing country, so their diet uh, has not evolved uh, from, from generations. Yes. And they can have rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So a typical oh. Bhutanese uh, have the same dish, uh, same three meals uh, for the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> wow i mean i was in india and i was yeah. having two out of three meals I definitely had rice and maybe even the third and i quickly adapted to that and i, I can easily do that so that's i can see if, if the dish is good why not have it right why not have it every day yeah yeah with the gravy and uh, the vegetables around it yeah that but that's a very typical Bhutanese uh meal breakfast lunch and dinner but perhaps dinner they have another one or two dish that's a bit more special but uh, a typical Bhutanese dish is, is really rice everything around rice 
uh, and Emma Darcy. <laughs> Yes, Amandasi. Yeah. Uh, chili is a huge component chili, yeah. uh, about in Bhutan. It's so big that uh, they are now talking about should they leave export or import to Bhutan because uh, uh, apparently they can't even produce enough chili for themselves right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did notice in your book um, about food there's that chili is is huge and mushrooms, of course, like you mentioned, but chili is is the big one that they have. Very big one, yeah. Very big one, yeah. It, it's something yeah, that you cannot live without, yeah. Yeah, chili cheese is their national dish, you know. In yeah. almost every meal, be it your breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you definitely never miss a chili, uh, Emma, that's chili cheese on the table. Never. Can't wait to taste it. I love it. <laughs> okay. For the travelers, yeah. right, uh, do tell uh, your guide how much uh, chili you can take. So oh, that okay. uh, they can inform the restaurant to adjust the level <laughs> of chili accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. I also read that they have their own breweries and stuff, right? So they also do their own beers and is it craft beer? I think I saw that you can do a brewery tour in one of your tours uh, I saw online. So I think they obviously make their own alcohol as well. There is a uh, two uh, craft brewery in Bhutan right now. Uh, one is in uh, the place called Honsu which is on the way to, uh, from Timpu to Punaka. Yeah. Uh, the other one is in Paro, right? Uh, the, the owner of uh, uh, Bhutan Brewery, uh, the one in Paro, is actually uh, the same family that is uh, running a Bhutan football club. And of okay. course, they also run, owns uh, two or three little hotels in uh, Paro and uh, Timpu. So uh, the, this is the second generation owners. Uh, so they have been educated overseas and then they decided to bring the craft beers back to Bhutan and start the production of canning there. So uh, the, 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 the modern, the younger generation of Bhutanese are actually introducing new concepts um, to, the, to the culinary uh, arena in Bhutan themselves. Yeah. So craft beers, uh, the, the tour of it uh, is another uh, very exciting place. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, and uh, they have their own craft. Uh, uh, something that I really like is the red rice uh, beer. Yeah, yeah that that's the one I read, red rice beer. Yeah, that, I, I'm really looking forward to trying that. Have that with um, <laughs> some chili cheese. <laughs> that sounds so cocktail. <laughs> okay, next for me is landmarks. We've got, we've got to mention some landmarks here because Bhutan's full of them. And then we'll go into your book. So obviously everyone knows pretty much the tiger's nest. Um, which is the Paro Taksang. Taksang. Yes, yes. that's correct. You got and it. that is very popular on your tours. And pretty much, I, w- I would imagine a lot of people who go to Bhutan would want to see that. Um, but you can you can hike up to it, right? Like you said before, and you can get to you can get above it and then go into it. Is that correct? So uh, if you are taking a normal tour, usually yeah. you just hike from the base and okay. then you reach a monastery. Yeah. yeah, but there is also um, a tour that's called the Bumdra Trek where yes. you are able to stay overnight um, from your base camp. And yeah. one of the night, you'll be able to see Taksang, the tiger's nest, from the top view, actually. So that's you're the above one. the tiger's nest. Yeah. So uh, from there, you are also able to hike down to visit the tiger's nest. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's, go down that to is the base. number one on my list to do. Is that, <laughs> is that overnight? It's, yeah. it's definitely one of the most popular tour package to put on the Bumdra Trek. Yeah, okay. especially for those who love nature and you also want to experience a bit of the culture. So it's a perfect blend for both. Yeah. Okay. And also some other landmarks is Punaka Zong. 
Um, it's quite a huge building, right? So that's worth seeing. Also, the Buddha Dordenma statue. Um, I think. Yeah, the, yeah, the Buddha Kazong is also the venue of the um, high-profile wedding of the fifth oh, king and okay. queen, Chetsun yeah. Prima. Yeah, so it's a really, really beautiful ancient zong, uh, ancient fortress. Yeah, yeah, with and st stunning architecture. That's the thing, like all these things have got stunning architecture. So a, th a few things that just piqued my interest is in the Western Bhutan, there's a, a place called, uh, I guess it's a, a structure in the, in the mountains called Shelkar Drak. And I was just flicking through and it's like, wow, that photo looks amazing. And it's, you can obviously walk straight up to it, right? And it's just on the side of a mountain, I think. So that's in Western Bhutan, which looks incredible. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of um, incredible places in Bhutan in the different different districts. So it really depends on what you like to see. Um, there are also uh, the Chimilakam, one of the fertility temple. And, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. one of the highlights of a trip. You know, many visitors say that they really enjoy visiting that. Um, and for me personally, I would think that Pobjika Valley, Gangte, is my favorite place in Bhutan. Yeah. Yeah, it's the place where you are able to see the black neck cranes during the winter season when they migrate from Tibet. Yeah. On the um on the yeah, on the logs at the back of your book with people's experiences, that came up a lot. The Gangte Valley. That seems to be a popular uh, destination for people to go to. And I looked at the pictures and it looks just incredible. Oh yeah, I think uh, Gangte is 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 such a be uh, beautifully uh shaped valley. Uh, that uh, is a definite. Uh, you need to visit that. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay. Okay. That's going in. <laughs> uh, a few other things is the Johnny Drac uh, Hermitage. It's about it's just under three thousand meters above sea level, and it's a little forty-five minute hike up. That looks incredible as well. I think the stairs go up zigzags, and again, it's on the side of a mountain, like a little building. It looks incredible. And I've got to give a shout out here because I read a book about manga in the eastern Bhutan region and it's called uh, Butter Tea at Sunrise by Britta Das. I don't know if you've read that book um, but that's what's inspired me to obviously ask you, you guys to come on as well as your book but also potentially shout out eastern Bhutan which maybe doesn't get as much um, coverage. Have you been Have you been to either of those places there? Oh, personally I have not uh, which is a shame. Right. Mm. After 30 <laughs> over trips, uh, I, I seem to, the, the furthest I've reached was actually Bumtang. Okay, uh, yeah. I haven't gone beyond Bumtang myself, uh, but a few of my colleagues have done that. Uh, in fact, in Asia, we have uh, quite a few, uh, we, we have quite a few uh, Bhutanese colleagues who actually worked in Singapore for us. Uh, and then the northern part that I've been to was the Chumuhari Trek. Uh, which is the Bontila Pass, that's about 5,000 meters. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I'd I love to reach Monga, uh, just that uh, as, as my relationship uh, in Bhutan evolved, I realized that I get less and less time myself to, to properly, properly explore the further reaches of Bhutan. Uh, but, but a trip to the eastern part of Bhutan is coming up. Uh, once the borders reopened. Uh, so uh, we've uh, been engaged by our Automobile Association to do a drive from the eastern point of Bhutan all the way back to the western point of Bhutan. Wow, that's and awesome. Then, yeah, so it will be a self-drive trip with a convoy of about uh, 15 cars. And then they, they, it will be about a two-week trip. And then uh, they will end off at uh, Paru uh, when they will take the flight out of uh, Bhutan, of course. 
Yeah. That, so that, uh, I'm that looking forward to incredible. that trip. Yeah, that, I'm yeah. really jealous of that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, and, and, and Bhutan, the, the road is such that uh, every kilometer, kilometer that is about 20 tons. That, that's the yep. mountain roads, right? So, so you are driving really slowly at about 20 to 30. And uh, you, you need to have your uh, you know, uh, um, sea sickness pills with you so, so, so that you, you will not be uh, too giddy after the drive. Yeah, and I've, I've re- kind of realized that in Nepal. I think Nepal is kind of similar to that. Uh, the roads weren't great and they're very windy and along the mountains had some interesting bus rides in, in Nepal. So I'm, I think I'm well yeah. experienced with maybe some of that because I think Assam is is bordering the eastern side of Bhutan, right? So Assam is a That's state, correct. and right. it looks incredible yeah. there. And that eastern Bhutan Assam area has got lush valleys, right? Like, it's very great for photos. Valley. Yeah, yeah, very lush valley and and a very uh, uh Bhutan is is kind of like a tribal uh, country. They have about forty over different tribes of people, right? So they have forty different over uh dialects within their countries. And the, the, the diversity is concentrated in the east of Bhutan, yeah, where you have the Merak people, and then in the south, you have the Samtrajonga, uh, then you have a, a different kind of tribes over there. And towards the eastern north, you also have the, uh, a, a very different tribe. So the eastern part of Bhutan has, has lots of cultural diversity. And, and probably about only 5% of travelers who ever been to Bhutan would have witnessed the eastern part of Bhutan. Mm. So it is even less explored and uh, I would say even more pristine uh, okay. than the western side of Bhutan. Yeah. So, so uh, for travelers who are able to uh, spend more time in Bhutan, definitely encourage them to explore the east. Things are a bit more rudimentary. You cannot expect uh, hotels of, uh, of, of, of uh, good quality. Mm. Things tend to break down a little bit, but um, definitely a lifetime experience to, to delve into a culture that is so untouched uh, by uh, modern, uh, modern uh, civilization. That's a great tip. And uh, I would recommend following that advice, but also reading the book I read because uh, Britta gives a great, uh, account of her experience in Monga and also the challenges in terms of like it's quite rustic and it's yeah. that's what that's what you want when you travel right you want to experience the the, the less traveled areas and that is really appealing I think yeah off the beaten path <laughs> yes exactly that like you, you really want to do that because I think your experiences will be like even tenfold that's awesome that's kind of given me more <laughs> things to think about <laughs> do you guys have anything else left to say about Bhutan before we move on to your book anything any passing ending words uh, I, I think the book is 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 a uh, is a condensation of our experience in Bhutan and yeah. our research in Bhutan uh, over the past 10 years uh, the book is also contributed by travelers to Bhutan and yeah. uh, our friends in Bhutan who help us a lot in verifying information, in uh, providing some of the uh, nouns, uh, information about places. So uh, it's a condensation, but it's also an invitation for travelers to visit Bhutan. Yeah, your, your book, uh, let's go into more detail. I'm on it. I've, got, I've got some questions. I'm a, I'm a champion of your book. Like I will promote this as much as I Thank can. Thank you. <laughs> and I, just to put it out there and record, I get no compensation, no money. I'm not doing it just to earn something. I genuinely 
love this book. And I'll tell you why. It covers pretty much everything you can think of about the questions you might have about Bhutan. So I'm talking about the do's and don'ts, the economy, the best times to go, the prices, the landmarks. I could go on and on and on. So I want to say congratulations. It's a, it's a great book. And I've already got two people who want to read it. So um, I'll be lending it to those guys. And, well, I'll tend to buy it first. But then, yeah, they, they, they're keen to, <laughs> to know more. So... What was the process like in terms of bringing that book together? Was it quite a lengthy process? Yeah, it took about more than a, one and a half years, you know, ever since COVID. Yeah. I mean, with um, the pandemic, uh, we were just brainstorming on, you know, hey, now COVID has struck, what can we do? How can we continue to promote Bhutan, you know, yeah. and champion um, to share about Bhutan to people who have not been there? And we were like, hey, why don't we just write a book? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, we also kind of identified as a gap in the market. You know, right now, I think yeah, there's yeah. only a couple of books out there for um, a travel guidebook to Bhutan. And we thought like, hey, you know, more people need to know about Bhutan. Yeah, that's how it all kind of started. <laughs> yeah, because I, I've done my research and there's a lot of like, um, like Britta's books, like maybe like experience type books, which doesn't really go into the full extent of the country, just like in one particular area, which is fine. But yeah, you're right. There's nothing really out there that really gives a detailed view of Bhutan like this book. And just for people to say, it's called the it's called the Bhutan Travelogue in case you want to research that. Um, but I'll, I'll put all the links up to the show notes in case you want to find it on Amazon, etc. But um, yeah, it's also got 250 photos of the country in there as well. So that's great as well. What kind of like, was there a plan or was it literally because of COVID? It was just like, okay, we're going to do this. Like how did you even start planning this book? Is it just like brainstorming every category possible about what people might need to know? Like how did you come to be so extensive in your book? I, I, I think uh, what happened is uh, for a long time, uh, we, we always felt that uh, there is a gap in the market, right? But uh, we, we, and we felt that um, because we travel to Bhutan so often and we know so many, uh, we have so many friends and colleagues in Bhutan, uh, we definitely can produce a book like this. Uh, but then you, you always get too busy with what is going on until the pandemic hit and you realize that, hey, now you have the time yeah. to actually sit down properly for as long as the pandemic is going on to get a really good book out, right? And a really good travel guide uh, to Bhutan, which, uh, which, which we hope uh, uh, really can give uh, every traveler the true and a, a good idea of what they can experience in Bhutan. Because uh, that, every time we talk to someone about Bhutan, they have so many misconceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, $250 is just taxes, which is uh, crazy. Why should I want to pay $250 <laughs> just for tax? But, but, uh, but then we, we can now tell them that, hey, this, this, is the, the, this, this book has the, all the answers to your questions. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it will be your, your travel companion when you are in Bhutan. You know, when you are planning your trip, this will be the perfect travel companion on how to plan your trip so that you know where to eat, where to stay, what to visit, uh, and what you can and cannot do when you're in Bhutan. So uh, that is really the ultimate uh, the objective of this book, to explain to people uh, how they can get to Bhutan and it's really not so expensive. In fact, it is, uh, it's luxurious for the price tag uh, to go to Bhutan. Yeah. And also, what I love about it is I'm quite a traveler, so I will book stuff myself, right? Precisely. But it's really nice sometimes if you just book a tour. But this is a special one because they obviously 
have got you in mind. Like they want to make sure you have the best time, see the best things, eat the best things. So it's just reassuring that you can pay this money, which in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of money. And yeah. just like be not to worry. You can just enjoy the trip because everything is taken care of you. And it's by a local person, uh, your, your guide, for example. And it's by people like yourself who are experts in this field so that you can you can advise someone who wants to book a trip, whether you can customize it or one of your tours that you you can really make sure they have a great time, right? Yeah, yeah. not not only a great time, but... Uh... But it is there is so much uh, flexibility within the tour. Yeah, uh, that that uh, travelers uh, are not aware. Uh, most people have this uh, misconception that if I go for a tour, you no, know, everything has to be fixed up for me. Uh, but in our itinerary, it is a suggested itinerary. Right? Ah, same things. Right. And things, what you see, uh, what you do on a day to day basis, can change in uh, according to. Um, according to situations and according to what uh, you, you want to uh, tailor it to. Yeah. So yeah, I your personal interest. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. So there isn't a fixed rigid timetable where you have to follow. Okay. By <laughs> one o'clock, I have to have my lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not like that at all. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's a good point to make just in case people are wondering. Um, I've got a few more questions about your book. Then we'll go on to the, your company, the tours that you offer at Drug Asia. Um, what's the reaction been to your book? Have you had like some, uh, obviously got people like myself who are, are sharing this as much as possible. Have you had other reaction, like other people want to make more inquiries and in, to travel in Bhutan? Yeah, we've definitely seen a, a positive uh, responses and search in inquiries on people wanting to find out a bit more about Bhutan, you know, and thanks to the people who have bought the book, they have been sharing generously, you know, to their friends about the book and yeah. Many people have been writing in to ask about, hey, you know, when is Bhutan opening? Can I go to Bhutan now? How can I book a trip? And also, can you tell the listeners where where can we buy the book? And also, where can we leave like a review to help you guys? Like, where's the best platforms for that? Yeah. Um, for those who are residing in Singapore, there are a couple of places that you can purchase the book. Um, you can actually get it from popular bookstores in a couple of the outlets. And... Um, for those who are residing outside of Singapore, you can actually get it on Amazon. Yeah, that's one of the most popular places for people to buy it. Yeah. And for the full list of um, places that you can purchase the Bhutan Travelog, you can visit www.bhutantravelog.com. That's where you can find all the platforms that you can purchase the book online. And is that where we leave a review as well, right, on that website? Yes, um, there are a couple of places where you can leave the review, either on the website itself or on Amazon. Yeah. Okay, and I will put those links in the show notes so people can access those um, and then make sure people buy it. I've already given you a, good, <laughs> uh, a top rating on Amazon, so I'll make sure I do the website as well. I know that's quite Thank you for being our champion. <laughs> All good. Yes, thank you, James. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Uh, anytime. Last subject, which will be how to book a tour with you guys, like, I know we talked a bit about this already, but we can, vis we can visit drugasia.com, I believe, and that you've got all this information on there, the, the type of tours that you book, you can book. So you break it down as a cultural, luxury, festival, trekking, adventure, or bespoke. So that, that really covers a lot of different areas, right? So what's the best way to get in contact with you guys to maybe like explore a tour and to book? Uh, I, I, I think uh, your, your listeners can... Uh, can can get in touch with Ashley. <laughs> 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 no, I, I think uh, 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 there are 
if you have read the book, you you probably have a pretty good idea of what you want to get out of Bhutan. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, but a trip to Bhutan can be very very customized uh, based on your personal interest. Uh, so the the kind of requests we get uh, for these book tours are, are can be really unique, right? Uh, so uh, getting in touch with any of our travel consultants, uh, be it uh, based in Singapore, uh, New York, or Bhutan, uh, they'll be able to provide the, the full information. Uh, typically, uh, its correspondence was is over email, but uh, we also have a WhatsApp channel uh, for people to uh, call in and and chat with our consultant. So. Uh, yeah, so 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 talk talk to our consultants uh, or talk to ourselves or Ashley, and uh, we hope to be of service uh, because the a trip to Bhutan uh, is typically uh, one of those uh, very important milestone on the on the bucket list, and, and we want to make sure that it's perfect uh, for the traveler uh, when they are there. Yeah, and because once it is a perfect trip. You know, we know that we have another uh, champion to help market Bhutan to their friends. And so uh, what we deliver uh, is, is very, very, very important. And you can also book, I know you said it's flexible, so you can book as many days as you want, I guess. Is, that, is, there, is there a limit to that? or Usually, usually it will be limited to the flight schedule, I would say, yeah, depending ah, on where they're flying to. Yeah, And um, I think... Uh, like what Johnny mentioned, we do really very customized tours um, where we tailor based on your personal interest. So it could be uh, for special occasions, you know, just let us know whether, oh, I would like to do a pre-wedding photography, for example. Oh, okay. or I can, I want to, I would like to run a photography tour, a sketching tour. Yeah, so we can do a lot of things in Bhutan as long as you are able to let us know, you know, what you want to do, what are your interests, and we'll do our best to make sure that you have uh, the most memorable time, you know, a uh, trip that you will remember for life in Bhutan. That, that is brilliant. I, I didn't realize it was that bespoke. That's 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 so good. <laughs> like you can have a birthday uh, celebration. Yeah, even for corporates like who want to run tours in Bhutan for a bit, their incentive trips, um, yeah. or they just want to have have a group trip to a very exotic and exclusive country. Yeah, we do a lot of um, yeah. And, and you book, and you do book like group trips as well, don't you? You book group trips, not just like single people or couples. You can book groups as well, right? Yes, that's right. For like clubs, associations or corporates as well. Oh, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Good to know. And then we mentioned this before, the daily cost is, is kind of set between high and low season, right? I guess there's the low seasons in the summer, right? June, July, August, I think. And high seasons like March, April, September, October, November. Is that roughly right in December, January and February be low season. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, there will be the winter season. Yeah. yeah. And they for, vary for the in peak, price. For the peak season, uh, it, it's actually advisable to book uh, six to nine months ahead. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, because they have limited hotels uh, or limited good hotel rooms. You know, so, so typically uh, they get snapped up like uh, uh, six to nine months ahead uh, of, uh, especially the Paro Festival, Paro Chechu. Or the Timpu Chechu, uh, these are the two big festivals uh, that you, you can see a huge uh, spike in uh, travelers. So that uh, we advise you to book at least uh, six to nine months ahead. So if I wanted to go in October, for example, yeah, I should probably start looking to book now. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, latest uh, maybe April, 
Okay, it's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll be in contact with Ashley for that. <laughs> and <laughs> just, just talking personally, I've looked into obviously your tours online just to give a, myself a bit of an idea. I really love the seven day magical Bhutan with the Bumdra Trek tour, which is um, one of your popular tours. We mentioned it before because that includes the Tiger's Nest as well, but also Para and Timpu, but also that overnight camping in in the countryside, like above Tiger's Nest. So yes, that's right. That's one of the, your most popular tours, right? Yeah. Yes, boom, girl, try. Yeah. And can you add to that tour? Like I was thinking, maybe add in three days, so you can do that, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, as we mentioned, you know, our tours are fully customizable. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. So that gives me a lot to think about for my own personal trip. And is there anything else you want to say regarding your your tours? Anything else you want to let listeners know? Oh, uh, we we look forward to having James in Bhutan. You know, uh, <laughs> when, when when you are there, uh, we'll definitely hook you up with. Uh, some of the experts uh, in Bhutan so that you can do another podcast live and uh, tell the world about Bhutan uh, through your channels. That's a question, actually. Can I, do you think I'd be able to record a podcast in Bhutan with my, with someone that you know or a guide, like in Bhutan? That, that, that should be possible, right? The guide, definitely. Yeah, the guide, definitely. That's awesome. But, uh, if you have a certain interest or if your audience have a certain interest, uh, let's say you, you want to have a deep uh, understanding about uh, yeah, Shini yeah. Hakang, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we, we can arrange for you to have uh, a podcast with the head monk at, at the monastery and have a translator by you to, to translate that uh, on the fly for you. That yeah. sounds absolutely so, amazing. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Basically, uh, the Bhutanese uh, are that hospitable that yeah. they, they are able to uh, customize uh, a trip uh, for, for the purpose of that. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they're more interested about the social issues in Bhutan, you know, we'll definitely be able to link up with the Gallium Charitable Trust, GCT, to share more about, you know, their causes where, you know, people can, how they can support them, what are their um, ongoing projects and how can donate to charities in Bhutan. That's so good. Thanks so much for helping me with that. I will be in contact, of course, and I'll, I'll share all the links that we discussed today in the in the show notes, so you can access um, the book, obviously, but also your website as well to book some tours. And due to time, I'm going to sort of finish this up with some personal travel questions. I always like to maybe just delve into your personal travel thoughts, like maybe Bhutan aside, because we know how great Bhutan is. So I've got some travel questions to finish on, if you don't mind. Hey, yeah, just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Thank you. It's travel question time. Okay. If you both can pick one or two countries each, that's not Bhutan, that you'd love to travel to, where would be your two countries? Ladies first. (laughs) (laughs) I think right now, Switzerland is at the top of my list. Switzerland? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of gorgeous pictures of it, you know. And also because I think more so because I have 
really good friends in Switzerland who are like just waiting for me to go and stay with them. <laughs> so it's definitely a country that I would love to visit. Yeah, once the pandemic settles down. Actually, I think uh, for Ashley, it's Switzerland because uh, Bhutan is a Switzerland in Asia. Yes. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for myself, uh, I'm hoping to uh, do a trip to uh, either Morocco or, or Taiwan. Uh, because uh, Taiwan uh, is, is to allow my children to immerse in a Mandarin uh, culture mm-hmm. so that uh, they, they get more interaction in terms of Mandarin. Uh, in Singapore, Mandarin is considered uh, one of the key language and yeah. uh, they need to do well in school for that. So I'm hoping to bring them for an immersion trip uh, to Taiwan. And then, uh, and then to Morocco because I feel that uh, there, there's much for us to learn in terms of Morocco tourism. Yeah. So, okay. so these are the two countries for me. That's great. I'm actually going to ask one Bhutan uh, question at the end here. If it's one thing that people should do whilst in Bhutan, what is it? One one each. Hide up to the tiger's nest, definitely. Okay. <laughs> because for the, um during my first trip to Bhutan, I actually did not um hike up to the tiger's nest. It was only during my second trip that I, you know, finally managed to hide up to the tiger's nest. And I was like, you know, what's all this rave about the tiger's nest? And I really feel it, you know, like wow, it's just a really indescribable feeling when you see the tiger's nest monastery. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh- I, I I like to defer from Ashley, right? Because uh, on my first trip, I did not go up Tiger's Nest too. I I, I went up halfway. <laughs> you know, but but the amazing part about not hiking up to Tiger's Nest is you actually get to go back to Bhutan so many more times because then yeah. you, you, start, like, you missed out and you need to go back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Tiger's Nest is really one of the highlights, right? Uh, the other highlight uh, for, for family with young children was actually to uh, raft, uh, water raft down the Punaka River. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that was beautiful. It's, it's not a very challenging uh, river but uh, it's a it's a very uh, peaceful and uh, it, it exposed the kids to a little bit of adventure which is very very safe so I think uh, water rafting down the Punaka River is also one of the highlights uh, for, for me and my family uh, yeah. okay that's a great that's a great tip do you both drink coffee very yeah. much <laughs> I thought you might, might do so my question to you is if you could pick one city in the world to just to sit down for a weekend and drink coffee and watch watch the world go by which city would you choose melbourne <laughs> really great coffee well, they great have, coffee yeah they have the, one of the best coffee in the world hands down <laughs> and i okay. really love the vibe you know the vibrancy of the city itself yeah i'm okay. very much into like art street arts yeah yeah I just love melbourne uh, how about yourself james wait what I, would you I, if I had a choice right now, Melbourne's close, but it's not number one. I'd choose Paris. Ah. Yeah, those little back streets, those little cobbled back streets in Paris where you just find a random coffee shop that no one knows what's called and it's not in any book. You can just sit there and have a real, like, bespoke, that's a word, right? Bespoke coffee and just watch people walk by. And, yeah, it's it's a city for me for coffee. Ah, I definitely need to get more information from you if I'm ever heading to Paris. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Any questions? <please. laughs> 
Definitely. I think the Paris is definitely on my bucket list. Yeah. Also, it's a bit different to the first question, but if you were to name some of your favorite countries that you traveled to, what would you say is your, some of your favorites? Uh, personally, I, I think almost every country has their charm. Yes. Uh, I, I've traveled to so many and uh, I'm, I'm always amazed uh, by every cult, uh, country and their culture. Uh, be it New Zealand, uh, lots of adventures, yeah. Uh, be in Florence, you know, full of arts and uh and uh, monuments, you know, or Japan, uh, with their their very delicate food, and uh, very polite culture. I I think the world is really for us to go out and learn about the different cultures and uh and so traveling. Uh, may not be destination specific. Sometimes you just have to book a random ticket and just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go and drink coffee. Go and drink coffee. Yeah, Where am I going? Precisely. Precisely. So I'm, I'm always very amazed uh, whenever I, I, I reach a new destination and, and how beautiful this place is and uh, how the locals live. And um, there is always so much to learn uh, from every culture. Uh, to to realize that we are also uh, minuscule,ly small in the whole grand scheme of things. We are, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really really tough question. Like, it is, you know, yeah. there's so much to learn and explore in the different places that you visit. You yeah. know, I've absolutely loved my time in Nepal, um, yes. Thailand, uh, Vietnam. Yeah, I think they're all amazing places. Yeah, you're right. It is a tough question. That's the I try and catch people out. <laughs> Toughest question ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got, I got three more questions and then we'll wrap up. Food is very important. So if you were to name a cuisine that's not your own, what's your favourite cuisine that you've experienced on your travels or just another country's cuisine? What's your favourite? Japanese, for sure. Damn. Yeah. In, straight in. I, I really, really love Japanese food. Um, when I yeah. was in Japan, you know, I feel that even the food in the convenience store is so good. Like you can literally just grab anything, you know, that you see and you just can't taste any bad food in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always tell my friends. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I enjoy eating. So so you can't restrict <laughs> me from, from, from a certain cuisine. <laughs> I, I, I generally enjoy eating. Yeah. So, so <laughs> He's a foodie. I, I, I enjoy exploring all kinds of food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. As long as it's not one of those uh, challenges that you see on the TV show. Oh, no. Um, I, I'm generally good, yeah. Penultimate question would be, if you had one year to live in a country that's not your own, where would you live? I'm going to be uh, actually, biased and say Bhutan. <laughs> Bhutan because, is allowed in this one. Yeah. 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 That's That's because similar. Bhutan is such a quiet and peaceful place. You know, sometimes when you're living in like a concrete jungle in Singapore, Thank you are yeah. just so caught up in all the hustle bustle. But when you go to Bhutan, you can literally like just relax and just focus on living, you know, like, wow, you are able to contemplate life, the purpose of life. And you just, yeah, <laughs> I'll say Bhutan. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I love to be in Bhutan too. Just that, uh, <laughs> the, but 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 then Yay, now we can go who, on a one year sabbatical to Bhutan. <laughs> no, but but then uh, that that defeats the question because James is saying a country that is not yours because uh, you and I uh, some people <laughs> refer us as half Bhutanese. Yeah, so, yeah. No, technically, like you're disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I would have to say uh, potentially maybe a a, a trip to a. a far-fetched village in Japan 
yeah, yeah. that might be the closest uh, for me because like actually like you're half Bhutanese then you, you can't have Bhutan as your your destiny <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to think <laughs> <laughs> okay and to finish the show you can have two or three sentences each why should someone travel to Bhutan I want you to finish on why they should go I think Bhutan is really a place like no others in the world yeah, the culture, the pristine environment, the people. Yeah, you really got to be there in person to experience it for yourself, to understand it. Yeah. Well, that, that's the only airport that is like 2,500 meters between a steep valley, right? So, so if you want to experience that, the kind of adrenaline of flying into Bhutan between the valleys, uh, Bhutan is the only place that offers that. Uh, of course, uh, like what I actually say, uh, Bhutan is such an amazing place that, uh, I, that I decided to uh, you know, keep traveling there myself uh, over the last 10 years. You know, uh, I, 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 I believe very much in uh, having depth when uh, you get to know a place or a person, uh, not just the breath of it. So uh, I seriously encourage people not to tra- to visit Tiger's Nest on the first visit so that they can travel there again and again and again. <laughs> Thank you, James. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great tip, yeah. <laughs> okay, actually, Jenny, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate having your time on this yeah. Friday morning for you. And I cannot wait to release this episode and get this out there. So thank you both for coming on. Thank you, James. Thank, thank you, you so for much, choosing James. Bhutan as a topic uh, today. You know, uh, we really want to thank you so much for helping us uh, reach out to more people to tell them about Bhutan. So, so very grateful for this opportunity to introduce Bhutan to the audience. Thank you so and, yes, and we look to forward to hosting you in Bhutan. Yeah, yes, I was going to say yeah. when <laughs> when we go, we'll probably fly from Singapore. So. Uh, seeing in Singapore or Bhutan, whatever, <laughs> or both. I, I'll, and I will show you a place to have coffee by the back end. <laughs> yes, yes, please. I love coffee. Yeah, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you, James. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last 8 to 10 years of my travels. You can also find this podcast episode on YouTube. Please search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you can follow and subscribe today. It will either be the video of the podcast or there will be some still pictures to accompany the audio. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.